hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. It was good to say that. Uh, All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow at first team All-SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we got one more podcast to finish the week strong. We're going to have a couple spring games to cap off spring football in the SEC LSU Ole Miss, we're going to be previewing those matchups. We got comments from Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly. We got some new rules in the NCAA that will affect the SEC. But uh, before we get to that, hey, we've got quotes from the quote machine himself, Mike Leach, his latest media availability. I was listening to it. I got to be honest, not a ton there. When the man's talking football, He's about as boring as can be. When you start to get him off topic, or he just does it himself more often than not, is when he really delivers some gold. And that's what he's done once again here. Asked about the state of building up his program there in Starkville. Mike Leach compares it to painting Disneyland. And I know the big Tennessee homer, huge Disney fan. He'll appreciate these comments. What you've been doing, this about a month out here in the spring. Can you tell that a lot of these guys will and your running backs and so many of these guys have been around now and in this offense for three years. Is it pretty apparent uh, in, in different feeling uh, spring as compared to maybe a year ago? Uh, so yeah, it's still elusive, but less elusive than it was, you know. So it's, you know, you're always fixing something. It's like I said, I think I said to somebody, it's like painting Disneyland. I read a thing when I was a kid went to Disneyland, so I read the brochure all over the place. And they start painting at one side every night, and they never stop. They just keep rolling. So whatever you're looking at there, they've, uh, they're uh, successively painting it. That's kind of like football, constant state of corrections. <laughs> I mean, he's one of a kind there. You know what? Uh, so rebuilding a football program, kind of like <laughs> repainting Dizzy. I love the fact, uh, you know, in his weird, unique way, he makes a very true and valid, valid statement. They're always working on something. The, the work is just never 
complete. And the transfer portal, NIL, throw that into the mix. And these coaches are being put to work day in, day out. So, hey, as weird as it sounds, he may have just nailed that one. But moving on to new rules announced on Thursday for college football. These are going to be taking place immediately in effect for the upcoming season. And it starts with targeting. Now, they're not reworking targeting like I'd want it to be. We've been advocating on this show. I'd love to see, you know, if it's malicious, if it's one of these headhunting tackles that they're trying to get out of the game, fine. You eject someone, and if it happens in the second half, you know, the rule is now you have to sit out the first half of the next game. I get all that. To me, these incidental head-to-head contacts, I think they should give you a pass on that, and not a complete pass, almost like in the way I like to equate it is in soccer, where if you commit a foul, but it's not an egregious foul, they give you a yellow card, you get two yellow cards, you get ejected. That's how I wish they would do the targeting. They're not quite doing that, but what they are doing, they're taking a step in the right direction. The way the rules are now, if you get a targeting penalty in the second half of a game, You have to sit out the first half of the next game, which makes no damn sense. But now they'll let you review it. You can submit tape of the play to the NCAA National Coordinator of Officials who will review video of the play. If it's obvious that a player was incorrectly penalized for targeting, that call would be overturned and the player would be cleared to return for the next game. So, again, this is a baby step in the right direction, but hopefully... There'll be players, I mean, hopefully there's there's no calls of targeting that eject someone, but we know that's not going to happen. The reality is players are going to get flagged, refs are going to make mistakes, but at least they've implemented something to where it can be reviewed, and for the next game, a player's cleared for all four quarters. I mean, this rule is so stupid. They've had it before where a player in a bowl game in the second half got a targeting. He had to sit out the first half of the next season opener. I believe that was at Arkansas that that happened. Could be mistaken on on where that happened, but I know that has happened in the past. No idea why the hell that's in the rule book, but thankfully they're, they're doing something about it. Now the big one here, faking injuries, which call this the Lane Kiffin rule, because uh, we know Ole Miss or the, the fainting goats as some like to call them faking injuries was a, common occurrence there now it certainly happened to uh teams that were playing Ole Miss I, I think it's safe to say we got to include that because Rebel fans are always quick to point that out it happened to them as well and that sh- should just give you an indication of how rampant this issue was now there's still if you go down to injury you still have to sit one play that's the current rule it's not changing I wish that's what they need to address in my opinion otherwise If you want to use a full timeout to get someone right back in the game, I'd be fine with that. But if you're truly hurt or if you're faking either one, I don't think it's right to have a player just rush back on the field. Think about it. If you're truly hurt and you only need one play off, how ready are you to go back in the game? And and I'm not sitting here saying you you should sit out a quarter or a half, anything crazy, but maybe the rest of the series or something like that. So I don't know. That's something that needs to be addressed. But what they are addressing with the faking of the injuries, teams can now submit review for fake injuries if they see it on video. We, every time we see it, the TV cameras capture it. 
they will now be able to turn these in to the national coordinator of officials, according to the NCAA, who will review and provide feedback to the conference for further action. So, for example, if this happens in the SEC, the, the national coordinator of officials will be able to review it, turn it into the SEC, and then it will be up to Greg Sankey and the SEC to punish coaches, potentially punish players for the faking of the injury. So let's hope that curbs what is becoming a, uh, sadly, a, a growing trend in college football. It's, uh, you know, on one hand, you could credit Lane Kiffin for finding a little crack in the rules and te- using it to his advantage. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, it was week in and week out. We had coaches complaining about it. So we got to do something to put a stop to it. At, at least they're taking some action. I don't think it's enough. Like I said, I wish players had to sit out a little, at, at least a handful of plays or something. I don't know. But I would make it a series unless you use a timeout, players cleared to go. That seems like the, the right and fair thing to do, in my opinion. But, hey, hopefully this does something to it. Now, one other thing, I thought this was kind of noteworthy here before we get to uh, the spring game previews. Out of the state of Tennessee, man, NIL, this stuff is evolving so quickly. So if you don't know, NIL, these coaches, they're not, technically they're not supposed to be involved in any of the NIL talk in the recruitment of players and deals and all that. But uh, the state of Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee, he signed it. He's made it legal for not just Tennessee, not not just uh, the University of Tennessee, but all the colleges and, and programs in that state. What they've done in the state of Tennessee, they have made it legal for collectives, which again, if you don't know, that these are organizations that go around the boosters, collect the money, to give them out to players via NIL. Now in the state of Tennessee, coaches are allowed to work with the collectives as if they weren't already. But I think this is maybe something proactive. Tennessee is getting on it saying, you know, we don't want to be breaking any rules here. But now Coach Heupel can call up the uh, Tennessee collective and say, this is the quarterback I want. This is the receiver I want. You know, we desperately need this left tackle. We need this right tackle. They can have those conversations now. So, again, this is just more of the evolving world of college football and NIL and all these collectives. And what's wild is now this is legal in the state of Tennessee. You better, you bet your ass Nick Saban's getting on the line and calling uh, his representative down there and saying, this has got to be legal in the state of Alabama. Kirby Smart, I'm sure the same. Unless, hell, it could be already legal down there, but this is the first I've heard of it. Because up to this point, college coaches, from everything I've been told, it's illegal for them to deal with NIL and these collectives. But that's no longer the, the case in the state of Tennessee. So you're always stay, trying to stay one ahead of the, of the law down here. And now they're bending the laws for to help college football. I mean, we are truly, truly living in the Wild West of college football. And, uh, hey, I'm here for it. All right, so, hey, moving on to the two spring games we got. Let's preview LSU first. Let's jump all down to Baton Rouge. My honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. And I just thought, man, this Ed Ogeron, Brian Kelly, back and forth is just hilarious to me. Coach O goes up to Notre Dame, tells them they're going to win a national championship with Marcus Freeman. Now that uh, Brian Kelly's not the coach up anymore, he – he didn't specifically say that, but he kind of implied it. 
Now Coach O is going on Jacksonville Radio 1010XL. My buddy Matt Hayes is the host down there, and he says LSU should win a national championship within three years of hiring Brian Kelly. Let's kick it over to Coach O for this clip. Yeah, it's Matt Hayes. So thanks so much for joining us. Um, so with, with LSU, Nick wins the title in, in the early 2000s. Les follows him. He's got to win a championship, so he does. Then you go and you basically have maybe what many people think is the greatest college football team in the modern era. So this is what Brian Kelly's walking into right now at LSU. The, the expectations are at the top of the top. Is he like, yeah. like if he doesn't win a national championship, is it failure? Well, you know, I don't know what they discussed, but I know I know that's the expectation there at LSU, and they want it. And they want it now. <laughs> you know that. But you know what? You ought to be able to do it at LSU, man. You know they they gave me three years, uh, which was very fair. Uh, they gave me the time to build our football team, and look what happened. You know, this is a great state, in Louisiana. As you guys know, uh, it's not like Florida State, uh, FSU, Florida, and Miami fighting for the top players. It's LSU. You should get the top players here. They got a tra- great tradition, so you should be able to win the national championship. Now you're not going to win it every year, but you should be able to win it. You know, get in three years, you should be able to do it. Ooh, so I mean, take that how you will, but it it kind of seems like Coach O's putting a timeline on when Brian Kelly's got to to win a national championship, something he's never done. But of course. The last three head coaches at LSU have done. The school will do everything in its power to put you in position to win the SEC West, which gives you, obviously, a a trip to Atlanta, and that'll punch your ticket to the college football playoff, something LSU did in 2019. And Coach O says better damn well happen by 2024. So that's what you're walking into, Brian Kelly. That's why you came down here. You've made no bones about it. That's why you're in Baton Rouge because Notre Dame does not have the facilities. They've got the academic restrictions. They don't have the players that you can get in the SEC. Well, you can get them now at LSU, and you're already showcasing that via the transfer portal and now on the recruiting trail. But now the fans want to see what you're putting together in your first, with the conclusion of your first spring practice in Baton Rouge. And it won't just be the fans down there because Joe Burrow, Apparently, he's going to be down there for the spring game. I don't know if he knows Brian Kelly, but this will be an introduction, if not. So that'll be something to be fired up about. You know, this is going to be a huge recruiting weekend for the Tigers. So having Joe Burrow is only going to help things, cause a a stir, and maybe get even more LSU fans out that uh, were on the fence about attending the spring game. But what will I have my eye on? Of course, the quarterback competition. Miles Brennan, want to see how he looks. Haven't seen him. Didn't even see him at all last year after he suffered his injury. So how healthy does he look? By all accounts, he's ready to go. Let's see it. Jaden Daniels, have never watched him play in the SEC against an SEC defense. So want to see how legit he is. And Garrett Nussmeyer, has he really taken a next step as indications are out of camp? So that's going to be something to see. Don't forget the five-star freshman, Walker Howard. Brian Kelly says they will split reps between all four quarterbacks on Saturday. So this is going to be one to keep your eye on to legitimately. We got four potentially elite quarterbacks for the LSU Tigers. This is not going to be a situation where we got one or two guys and then two guys kind of coming along. These are four guys trying to earn that job. The secondary, I'm going to have my eyes on that as well. Completely reworked down there at LSU with Joe Fouché. Greg Brooks, the Arkansas transfers, uh, Michael Williams-Garner 
from Louisiana was a transfer. And Jarek Bernard, not 100% he's going to play, but he was the touted corner from Oklahoma State. Let's keep an eye on these guys, see how they, they are going to, how they look after their first camp at LSU. And, of course, uh, if you missed it, we hit on it earlier in the week, but uh, LSU added a, a transfer from Ohio State as well. He won't be on the field, but uh, just want to see how that unit's coming along. And potentially the biggest unit, which you're not going to see much in the spring game. You can't. It's always hard to tell. But offensive line, how's that unit coming together? Particularly five-star freshman left tackle Will Campbell. Does he have that spot locked down again? It's hard to take anything away from a spring game, but just want to see if he looks the part for the Tigers down there. And one other guy, it's time. It's now or never for former five-star recruit John Emery. Is he going to be the man for LSU at the running back position? You know, didn't get to play last year due to some off-the-field academic nonsense, what have you, but is he ready to emerge for the LSU Tigers? They may need him early in the season to carry this offense while they're still figuring out the quarterback situation. So let's kick it over to Brian Kelly, who talks uh, the progress Miles Brennan has made this camp on getting the team ready. He said, hell, this team wasn't even ready. I had to work work their ass off the last couple of weeks to get them ready for this spring game and how they're treating it like a real game. And on the new look secondary, how that's coming along in Baton Rouge. Uh, how much have you seen Miles Brennan improve uh, in the short time you've worked with him? What, what are his qualities? And it just seems like at practice, he seems to have a pretty good grip on what he's doing out there. Well, I think I would start with physically. Uh, he's improved his body, his, um, his conditioning level. Um, all of those things had to start with, um, you know, his ability to just um, compete, uh, you know, and, and, he did a, a tremendous job in January, February, March, leading into spring ball, physically changing his body type, um, taking care of himself, getting stronger, which put him in a position to use a lot of his experience against, by and large, other than maybe Jaden, um, an inexperienced group. Um, he knows what he does well, and he knows his limitations. So I think um, he's a smart um, experienced quarterback that um, plays to his strengths. Um, he, put, he throws the ball extremely well down the field, uh, pushes the ball vertically, um, is always going to get us in the right play, protects himself and protects um, the, um, the ball. He's just a smart player. Curious as to what sort of tone around the team is now heading into the spring game on Saturday? Well, after the last two practices, I think they're pretty excited. Um, these have been heavy practices. Um, we've, we've thrown a lot at them the last two days, um, more than I can remember in a long time. Um, and, and a lot of it was because they weren't ready. Um, I didn't want to have a lot of soft tissue injury. I didn't want to have a lot of guys out. Um, We've minimized injury in the spring because of that. We were very careful in the way we went about our first couple of weeks. So therefore, there was not a lot of 11 on 11 live work. I was able to save a lot of that for later in the spring. And um, so I can tell you it's been robust in the last week and then we're gonna go have a scrimmage on Saturday. So these guys are gonna be, they're gonna be tired after Saturday. Um, so, I would say that um, 
they're going to be pretty excited for Saturday because they're going to be in the stadium. So the, the adrenaline is going to be going, and we're treating it like a game. Um, you know, from the walk to the pregame to being in the stadium, we're going to treat it. It's going to be on, you know, uh, the SEC network. Um, all of those things will make it exciting for them. Hey, Coach. So with the recent addition of some transfers, um, how well is this DB room really improving? And um, with the leadership of uh, Greg and Joe that they bring to the table with their veteran leadership, being in the SEC for so long, what can they teach these younger guys that are just coming into the SEC? And what can they bring to their table and kind of teach them and coach them along their journey? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, we didn't know. Um, look, we knew about their character. You know, one was obviously a captain. Uh, one was extremely well um, thought of in the program. They both love uh, Louisiana, um, wanted to be here. So a lot of those things were in place. Uh, you don't know until you get them here in terms of, um, you know, work ethic and things of that nature. We thought we had, you know, two really good ones, and then they took off. I mean, they were leaders in our off-season program. And then on the field, they're, they're exactly what we had hoped. Um, they, uh, they lead by example, um, both on and off the field. They've been excellent in the classroom. Um, they've been a great addition and, and, and have helped rise the level of everybody. All right, next let's kick it on down to Oxford. Where again, we're going to have a spring game all Saturday. This is, uh, I've said it time and time again, even said it with Shane just the other day. This is one of these teams that uh, I just can't put my finger on. And how can you? With uh, so much turnover, losing all three coordinators, and just losing players to the NFL, but raiding the transfer portal, this is going to be a new look Ole Miss Rebels. Lane Kiffin deserves the benefit of the doubt that he can put these pieces together. But let's see it in action now. And, of course, front and center, that quarterback competition between Jackson Dart, who I love what I've seen from him, but he's only played five games at Southern Cal. We got Luke Altmeyer in his second year, who looked the part of a true freshman, forced into action. You know, it's probably not fair to judge him based on what we saw just last season. Now he's going into year two. Has he taken the next step? And we'll get to some comments here from Lane Kiffin, but kind of echo similar statements from Zach Evans, if you remember a couple weeks back. He just kind of noted that, uh, you know, they rotate the quarterbacks in and out, waiting for them to get hot. Whoever gets hot, they roll with. And that's the same thing Kiffin is about to say here. I mean, these guys just are not consistent. One day one's on, the other one's one day the other one's on. So, you know, there's, there's something to be said for practice players and then there's game players. Maybe that'll rear itself here on Saturday with the lights come on. They're in uh, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. But, again, this thing is going to go into the fall, no doubt. But this will be a big piece of the puzzle and at least uh, something that us fans can can take in and kind of judge for ourselves. And beyond the quarterbacks, man, I'm, I'm dying to see this tight end, Michael Trigg, that Kiffin says, a man amongst boys out there. I want to see if he looks the part because that is something that uh, Lane Kiffin and company sure could use as an elite weapon down the middle of that field. They've had that before with uh, – Mm, I, I, the guy's name escapes me now. He came in, they made him an all-SEC tight end off to the NFL. I mean, Lane Kiffin has shown he can get these tight ends. Here it is. Ole Miss fans probably screaming at the top of their lungs. Kenny Yaboa, 
came in one year, you know, made them all world. They have that possible potential here, and Michael Trigg could be a go-to target for whoever the quarterback is there in Oxford this season. So I want to see what he looks like. We've got Jordan Watkins, the transfer from Louisville, who got him a taste of this Ole Miss team week one last season and must have looked over and said, damn, it looks fun to play for them. I'm going to ditch these losers and go play for a winner in Lane Kiffin. So want to see if he looks the part. And J.J. Pegues, who I think has got loads of potential on the defensive line coming transfer, transferring back home from the Auburn Tigers. So a lot to view here for the Ole Miss Rebels. Again, I have no idea what to make of this team. So hopefully Saturday provides a couple answers. And here's Lane Kiffin on the latest on the quarterback competition there in Oxford. Lane, how would you assess uh, what you see from the quarterback position going into Saturday? I think up and down. I think both guys have done good things, made big plays. You know, seems like they're both kind of never on. You know, one will have a good day, the other will turn it over and then switch the other day. So that's a good competition. And, you know, doing some new things on offense with the guys and both guys really not, you know, a ton of, you know, playing time. Jackson's had more, but it wasn't with us. So not a lot of carry over there. It's hard to evaluate quarterbacks in a situation like, I don't know, all, all we saw was Saturday, most of the receivers were out, Trigg was out, I don't think Zach was out there. Is it, is it difficult as a coach to sort of get a feel for who's doing what when the personnel's so limited? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd like to think with experience, you know, you learn things and so, you, you know, you take all that into account. I think as a younger coach, sometimes you get down because the stat sheet, but, a quarterback out there that's going to have great passing efficiency without good players around them. So running guys can take off and run, but when it comes to the throwing game, you better have some good pieces and just look at Matt's season when he had him when he didn't. There was a big difference, um, as good as he was. So uh, those guys are suffering from that. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the show. A little bit shorter of addition, but uh, hey, I wanted to get this out. We got some spring games, and I may even – I think what I'm going to try to do – with the spring games on Saturday, I've been kind of delayed. You know, last week I was on the road. I may even pop on and do reviews of the spring game immediately. Throw those up on YouTube if you're a YouTube fan. So check us out there. Try to get some content up immediately on Saturday. And uh, I've already got a guest lined up for Monday's show that uh, you Georgia fans are really going to love. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, man, if you're enjoying all this content, in the offseason, five days a week, the only SEC show that's doing it, to my knowledge, please give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. Or if you don't have an Apple product, give us a five-star on Spotify. Those two things really, really help us out. And we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for that rating. That's just our way of saying thanks. But that's going to do it for this week of shows. We'll catch you on the next one.